The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willette. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hi everybody, how you doing? Thanks for coming back to another episode of the Piercing Wizard Podcast. Uh, I am in Glasgow, Scotland as I record this. Uh, Lola is doing her hair and makeup, so I'm uh, recording this little intro for the Rivka episode. Um, okay, just, just to catch you up a little bit, yesterday was my birthday, July 16th, and I wanted to come over here and I wanted to be with Lola uh, for a, about a week or so. I packed a bag, and I thought that it would be nice to buy a little podcast microphone, like a good quality podcast microphone, to leave at Lola's. Uh, if you listen to the aftercare episode where I just recorded it on a laptop, you know that the sound wasn't great. And sometimes when we're doing like Zoom episodes where I'm recording with good stuff at home, but she's just recording with her laptop mic here, the audio is kind of spotty. So I thought, hey, wouldn't it be nice if I... Um, you know, checked a bag and then had like a nice quality podcast microphone, bring over a couple other things for us to, to have a nice time together, different outfits and whatnot. And uh, British Airways uh, forgot to load the baggage on the plane for the entire flight. Apparently Heathrow Airport has just been like a mess lately, uh, severely understaffed, tons of baggage issues, tons of cancellations and blah, blah, blah. So my flight from uh, Heathrow, London Heathrow to Glasgow, zero baggage, and everybody on the flight was super pissed off. We had to make a baggage claim, and you know all the all this different stuff. And um, they were going to do like a, a separate company. They flew in all the bags to Glasgow, and then a separate delivery company would actually like drive around Glasgow, drop off everybody's suitcases. When I entered all the information, there was nowhere to put in a flat number and an apartment number if you're American. But uh, there was no place to put that, so we just put the street address for the building. I put in my phone number, my email, all that stuff to get the bag. Um, and then uh, it was three days before they actually delivered it. And when they did, um, since there was no flat number, they tried just texting my phone. They didn't even call my phone. They texted my phone. Since it was international, I couldn't get the text alert. So rather than them calling or emailing or doing anything else, they just left. So that was yesterday. They were supposed to deliver my bag um, at noon, but they didn't. They just drove off and they didn't tell me. They didn't give me any sort of notification. So we canceled my entire day of birthday plans to sit around waiting for this bag um, that that wasn't coming. They had already tried. They had already attempted and and blah, blah, blah. So we had to reschedule to today, uh, Sunday, July 17th. And they finally brought it out there, but we had to stare out the window waiting for a van and when Lola saw a van pull up I rushed downstairs and like again the guy was gonna just drive off because he didn't have a flat number so luckily I made it out just in time I got my goddamn bag and in the bag I had this uh, podcast microphone so that's when you can listen to my sweet dulcet tones um, in Glasgow Scotland so it was a pain in the dick but uh, I, um, I've got my clothes now. I've been wearing like Lola's clothes the last couple of days, and luckily I had a spare toothbrush in my, my backpack, but it's been kind of a miserable couple of days for a birthday trip. But 
I get to be with Lola, so it's all worth it. Uh, my guest this week is uh, is Rivka. I've known Rivka in passing, like professionally, for the, the past few years. I would always see Rivka at uh, the APP conference and at, at Camp APP, different online spaces. And I know that Rivka has been piercing for a long time, but we had honestly never really sat down and had a conversation together. So I thought conference would be a great opportunity to sit down and get some insight from Rivka. And I'm really glad I did because it was a great conversation. Rivka has been piercing for about 30 years, and I think it would be impossible for a 30-year, 10-year piercer to not have some some really good insight. So it was a good talk about longevity, like how do you actually make it 30 years into any career, body piercing or anything else. Different things about ergonomics and how like you physically make it 30 years in, but also the mental aspects. How do you keep your energy up? How do you not burn yourself out? Because we, Rivka and myself, we both see a lot of piercers that are a handful of years into a career three years, five years into a career, and they've just been like digging themselves into a hole, burning themselves out. It's a 24-7 job for a lot of uh, younger piercers now in the, the age of social media. So we talk about some different perspectives, different things that we've kind of learned and, and figured out the, the hard way uh, over it. We, we talk a lot about the whole concept of imposter syndrome, especially at an event like the APP conference. You go there and you think that you're not one of the cool kids, but you have to kind of realize that most of the people there also feel like they're not one of the cool kids. So a good quote from Rivka that you'll hear in there is, if, if none of us are cool, then all of us are cool. So it's it's just one of those talks that you need to hear uh, to, to widen your, your perspective and your concept. So Rivka was a great person to have on the show, uh, and I'm really happy with the conversation. So go ahead and listen to that. I'll be back a little bit more at the end to talk about some uh, new Patreon stuff and some new seminars. Uh, I've got an online webinar about bevel theory on Sunday, August 14th, and then I'm going to be doing a, a live day of piercing classes and workshops in the Chicago area on Monday, September 5th. So you can get all the information for those. You can sign up for those by going to my new website at ryanpba.com. And uh, you can stick around until the end and hear a, a little bonus conversation to learn what my drag name is that Lola recorded on her phone. So stick around. I'm Rivka. Um, I started piercing in 1991, 1992, up in the Pacific Northwest in Portland, and have sort of gone the full cycle. You know, I've owned my own shop in Eugene, Oregon in the 90s and early 2000s. Um, I have um, worked up and down the West Coast and guest spotted around the country. And I'm currently um, working on sort of shifting focus and, and I love my guest spots, but I'm also working on my metal because I'm a, a properly, you know, sort of officially trained metalsmith. I took um, metalsmithing courses um, for years and years and years, right about the same time I was piercing. But of course, in the early 90s, um, the stuff that we were making and the stuff that we were wearing as piercers were, you know, on completely two ends of the spectrum. Yeah. And so never the two shall meet. And of course, now, 30 years later, um, we wear fine jewelry, mm -hmm. you know, and, and things like that. So I'm rediving back into it and seeing how I can sort of go into another phase. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm 47 now. I, you know, I started piercing when I was a teenager and, and I, I can't, I don't want 
to be in 20 years from now still standing on my feet yeah. all day leaning over something. It's not going to work for me. So you want to lean over a workbench now instead <laughs> well, of Well, I can client. make my workbench really tall. Yeah, that's a good point. That's something that I talked about with a couple different vendors is just the concept of like long-term career ergonomics. And like, I think that that's a class that somebody needs to, to write and instruct. You know, ergonomics, and I was talking to someone um, this here, here this week, because we're here at conference, I saw someone, you know, kind of stretch their wrist mm. after they put something down. And I recognize that stretch. I've had carpal tunnel surgery done on both of my mm. hands. I was, I took the opportunity during the pandemic to kind of rebuild myself. I had my shoulder rebuilt. It got torn um, in a slip accident, slip and fall accident in the shop. Um, I got a, another uh, a ligament in my wrist, my, in my dominant hand done. And all of these were because we failed to address ergonomics mm -hmm. and safety concerns in the thing. And I, you know, we tend to take it as this sort of pride thing when we're in piercing, like, oh yeah, I did this all day. And, Grind it out, and 12 hours. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hell. No lunch break. I hurt, which means that I did my job right. And in fact, it has nothing to do with being a good piercer. It has everything to do with literally breaking yourself so you can't be there for your clients in 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. And so I was talking to her and I was explaining to her because she brushed it off when I said, oh, I see your, your wrists, you know, you look like I feel. So, you know, how, are you doing anything for mm -hmm. this? And she's like, ah, and I was like, no, you're too young to brush this off. Yeah. And I really gave her the support and the encouragement to say, go home and look at your shop. Have somebody else sit there. And watch you pierce. And watch and, you yeah. go through the whole thing. And their only job is to sit there and kind of really pinpoint what you're doing. Yeah. How many times did you turn around and go back to the same thing three mm -hmm. times? How many times did you go into an unsteady position where you were leaning over, where your arms were up over your shoulders, all of these different things, which for one day don't matter. I'm gonna sit across from you because sitting yeah. to the sides, like also when we're having this conversation yeah. about like don't hurt your shoulders, I'm I like, know exactly we're hurting our shoulders. Just that way. messed up. Yeah, you know, and and we don't we don't see these things and we sort of give so much to our clients and we love and we have so much passion for what we do that it propels us through the day but will kill us at the end of the year yeah and also like you know the the, the younger piercers that are only a few years in if you want to get to that point where you can have a 20 or a 30 year career yeah. in this industry like you have to think about it mm -hmm. because like yeah. There are people that, I, that I've known at conference and I've watched them grow and age over time and a lot of them are starting to get that yeah, like hunchback they, they hunch kind of thing. They hunch and their shoulders are rolled yeah. and they pick up, you can see the way they pick up things and you mm -hmm. can see the way when they put things down and they have to like unadjust their body. Yeah. And um, you know, it's, it's amazing. I was thinking about this year, while I have not purist straight through and I have taken sabbaticals and stuff mm -hmm. like that, this is year 30 for my involvement in the industry yeah so that was really interesting and it has hurt my body in a mm -hmm. lot of different ways yeah. and when i go into a studio and the table is just 
too low. Yeah, I think, well, so that's, a, that's another thing is a lot of times when people pierce, if they're not fortunate enough to own the studio or like, you know, own the piercing department of the studio, mm-hmm. um, sometimes an owner, especially if it's kind of from like the tattoo world, a lot of times it's like a massage table, like yeah. one of those portable foldable massage tables or like a tattoo chair. And like people are like hunching over so much and it's like, you know that you can invest not even that much money, like yeah. less than 500 bucks will get you, like I had a custom table built for me that's extra tall so I can stand with a straight back while I pierce and I don't have to hunch at all. Absolutely, and I was talking to a piercer who took over a shop that was put together by somebody who was quite tall. Mm -hmm. And they were a very, very short person and they were like, oh yeah, I pierce over my shoulders all the time. And I was like, go home Mm -hmm. and Find out who does handyman work and build a box right below you. Yeah. Not some rickety stool that you can't feel grounded on. Build a box, put a nice rubber thing on it, mm-hmm. step up yeah. and be where you belong, which yeah. is in your own ergonomic comfort zone, mm-hmm. you know? And it goes for clients too. We ask clients to go on bench on on tables that are not strong enough to hold them right we ask them to stand on stools sometimes mm-hmm. that are not are, are going to raise their blood pressure before we even get to pierce them mm-hmm. you know and and these and or for me it's asking someone to lay down within their feet dangling over the edge and yeah. their stomach is stretched out yeah. this stresses your mental and your physical body out. I think too many piercers also uh, go towards that like, I want to look like a medical setting, so I'm going to get like a, an exam, like a medical exam table with the pull-out leg thing. And it's like sometimes those are just not adequate for our needs as body piercers. And like you can have, like, a, like I use a sports therapy table and mm-hmm. it's made for like giant football players. So it's Absolutely. really sturdy and it's big and it works awesome. I found, and I actually contacted them because I've been thinking about like, I should rep for these people or something. I found this four-way adjustable, amazing like med spa table Mm -hmm. that sits completely straight up and lays completely down and all the buttons are on her feet Mm -hmm. and just amazing. And I just go like, first of all, as a woman who has both, you know, survived pap smears and childbirth, I don't want to walk into a table, a right. place with a gyno Anything table. that has stirrups, even if they're fold away. Yeah. I, I don't even want something that has the attachment points for the stirrups. Because mm-hmm. I know they're there. Yeah. You know, and so that's, you know, and, and I think that most people would feel really comforted by coming into a med spa, coming into mm-hmm. some place where they're going to get, you know, something else as opposed to a parlor or yeah. doctor's office. But, right. You know. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it, yeah, ergonomics, I think, are really important, both in efficiency and in actually beating our bodies up. Yeah. You know, so that's, I think that's a good idea for people to get over the I'm cool because I put up with it thing. Yeah, and also you don't have to just like, just like, you know, you've probably seen different generations of studio layout and style and all that stuff. You don't have yeah. to keep that same tattoo and piercing shop look that you'd see in a magazine or on a website or something like build a whole new thing like to bring in that whole new clientele in 30 years it's been so incredibly interesting to watch the transformation of what we think a really beautiful studio looks like right you know and it used to be all like 
checkerboard floors and red walls and yeah, I used to, flash I, had a, and, I had a black ceiling yeah. and you know and 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 I, I was so excited because I found like light fixtures that looked like captive bead rings, mm -hmm. you know, your things like that. And and even when I built my studio in 1997, it was what a lot of people would call kind of a boutique studio and back then it was like shocking to people mm -hmm. and and that was because I don't have tattoos and I don't want to hang out in a tattoo parlor yeah and so it just came from a different end and I came from you know this idea of interior design and, and things like that and so that's what ended up in my studio mm -hmm. and then I remember I came went out of and took a sabbatical um, right after 9-11 and then I and I went to school for industrial design and product prototyping and, and model making and things like that which was really interesting and so then when I came back into piercing um, later the the like quiet high-end low-volume boutique studio had come into fashion mm -hmm. and it was so exciting to see that but then we again we'll get stuck in something oh and then we have like you know wood discs for displays and mm -hmm. then for five years we can't like get off of it yeah you know and then oh now it's all white now that's all black now it's all wood color and, mm -hmm. and you know and so I love that people are learning to change it up more yeah. I was excited by the um, company that won the innovators award who, who won? I, I didn't even have time to pay a, attention to it. It was a hive year. display. Oh, right. And so it's all really modular. Nice. Yeah, modular, yeah. Mag magnetic. Mm -hmm. You can change the fronts off. Yep. And so I think for long-term clients, having the visual, the big visual change in your studio gets them to spend more time looking at the little individual things mm. in your studio and yeah. lets them discover something that maybe wasn't their taste two years ago mm -hmm. and but now they don't even see because they kind of feel like they know everything right but you start to change the colors up you start to change the layout up and suddenly they slow down and they look around your studio more and they go oh you know that actually is a really cool thing I could see myself wearing that yeah. now I might not have worn that I've had to, I've ago. had to learn that lesson kind of the hard way of if you just leave the same stuff in the same place in the same display forever Customers, especially if they're repeat customers, they don't look at it a second time or yeah. you know maybe a third time or whatever. So you have to change it up. And even if it's the same thing that they've walked mm -hmm. past a half a dozen times, they might be like, "Ooh, that's great!" Yeah. And it's like, "Oh yeah, buy it." It's it's amazing. And you go into really um, beautiful high-end retail stores, and you see those the, you know you see those displays, you see those windows, and how they change that all up. Yeah. You know. Um, well, I, I used to work in, in retail before I was a piercer, mm -hmm. and they would send you like a retail plan every week. You'd yeah. have to completely change things up and do this and do that, and it was because like they need they, it needs to look different, even if it's the same merchandise. It yeah. needs to look different. Um, I come from a family um, in from New York and in Long Island, and going into the city, and so my inspiration my visual inspiration was the the pocket window displays on fifth avenue mm. and those windows from macy's and tiffany's and cartier and those were like my absolute dreams they were they were these little tiny pictures that were a fantasy world mm -hmm. and they had so much in them and sometimes so little product you know what's weird is that just instantly makes me think of the movie mannequin 
<laughs> with all, like, all the different window displays. Yeah. yeah. And and that's what I wanted to be when I grew up. I wanted to do the windows displays for, for Macy's Fifth Avenue. Mm-hmm. That was like one of my very first, like, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And in some way, that's what I'm doing, you know? Yeah, creative display. Creative displays and going into a place and going, oh, what, and why don't we do this? And why don't we print out a picture and rearrange all the jewelry on it, you mm-hmm. know, or things like that. So yeah. it's, it's fun to see people do that. Yeah. Well, so if we're talking about, or if we have already talked about things that maybe uh, more experienced piercers are going to be thinking about ergonomics and jewelry display and things like that, um, before we started recording, we were kind of talking about different aspects of like the new to conference piercer experience. Um, and we're sitting in this like really gigantic, like kind of, what, what have you been referring to it as? Like the hospitality, hospitality suite? suite. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like a really cool space where people can probably come and decompress instead of like down and like, you know, downstairs they have a nice lounge area too, but it's still buzzing with activity. I tried yeah. to just like sit and have lunch and like 50 people walk by and it's just this constant like buzzing you know having conferences the one of the most amazing things that happened to our industry and it makes sense that it happens in vegas because logistically it works out yeah we've looked at moving it at other places it just simply is too expensive it's really difficult and so we go okay vegas it is However, Vegas comes with its drawbacks. Mm. It's a tiring place to be. It's an intimidating place to be. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily a place which exudes safety and comfort and and things like that. I've I've noticed that the strip has gotten like almost unbearable. I've been coming here for 20 years, you know, give or take. And uh, there were there were times where like I would enjoy just going out and walking up and down the strip and seeing things and seeing people. And now it's just like Overload. shoulder to shoulder and like constant people just like trying to hand you something or take your money in some way and whatever. And it's just it's it's overwhelming. And as I, it's exactly the same, you know, when we were when we were here at conference and there was a hundred of us, 150 of us, and the entire thing was in one room. Mm-hmm. We were like this insular sort of community and we kind of all tromped to breakfast together and tromped to lunch together. Yeah. And then as it grew, there was that group of us that knew each other. Mm-hmm. And then there was these new people. And they were like, oh, uh, I don't know if I could go over to that group mm-hmm. and I don't know where to have dinner and oh, this is so loud and so smoky and I'm going to go back to my room. Yeah. And they would... They would that was me. Literally, yeah. that was me. My first probably two or three times coming here. And and I've done it absolutely as well. And I'm just like, this is too much. My throat hurts. My ears hurt. I can't... I want to have these really good conversations because the best conversations at Vegas, the most amazing things you learn at Vegas mm-hmm. are not in the classrooms. The yeah. classes are top notch yeah it's in the lobby or but the that bar conversation yeah. that you have with oh wow how do you do it at your place oh really how do you explain that to me again mm-hmm. those conversations happen in the hallways and at the bar and in all of those places but those are the same places where i lose my voice because of the smoke mm. and i frankly am kind of sick of drunk people yeah been there i've done that it's not my it's not my gig anymore and I can't hear the person who I desperately want to learn from. Mm-hmm. And so over the years, you know, my first conference was 1998. And over the years, 
I've listened to more and more people say the exact same thing. Mm. And I just said, okay, that's it. My dad said to me a long time ago that complaining, out, complaining without offering a solution was whining. And I don't, we don't whine in my family. Yeah. And so I said, what can be done about it? And, and then it was also kind of from camp, you mm-hmm. know, an APP camp. We all were like, wow, the quality of our conversations. When it's slowed down, everybody just quiet. like takes a deep breath and yeah. has that time and the connection. And wow, you know, I've known you for five years, and I think this is the first time we've talked. I hear that said all the time. Mm-hmm. It's so gratifying yeah. to see this group, which is so just buzzy and busy and separated. And so I got a suite, and I went out and got non-alcoholic stuff and yummy fun little snack food Mm -hmm. and i said everyone's welcome and just let this be the place where the music is turned down i've been playing jazz music and you know i brought board games Mm -hmm. and 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 i and i love being a host so i've been making people coffee in the morning and you know orange juice late at night before they go to bed and and I watch people come here and I watch their shoulders slowly slow down. Mm-hmm. And then the stories start. And it's just, it's been so fun. Yeah. And I've got to talk to people that, again, that I've known for years online and I've never had a conversation with. Or, you know, I get to go, wait a minute, what's your origin story? Like, how did yeah. you get into piercing anyway? I never, never heard this. And oh my gosh, the stories you hear. So I think this is going to be a, an annual thing. I, you know, the people who've been up here have just gone like, ah, where was this my whole life? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that this is, this is my contribution, I think, to, you know, Vegas Conference. It's good because like, there, there are things, there are things that the APP is doing now that they weren't doing, uh, you know, when I started coming and when the I was here for a few years. The alternative to the bar was one of my inspirations. Yeah. And I want to find a way to sort of connect and right. let us support each other with yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. That and, you know, the mentor program and all the things that, like, you know, the app does with, like, little scavenger hunts and stuff like that to get people talking to each other. Like, Really it's, smart. Because I remember, I remember my first year uh, showing up, and that's when I was, like, just a, a BME kid, didn't have any piercer friends in my area, didn't really know anybody. And um, walked in and it was just like, oh, I recognize that person and that person and that person. But how could I ever just go up and talk to them? I'm a nobody. And, um, you know, time goes by. I kind of find myself pulled into that community, but it took time. Uh, And then it was just like, well, yeah, I like all these people I'm talking to, but I don't want to be... Uh, secondhand smoking a pack of cigarettes every day. I don't want to be around people who are on their like 10th alcoholic drink of the day. I don't, yeah. you know, I don't want to be up until three in the morning and, and, and that kind of stuff. So now I'm, I'm really happy to see that conference has, they have the, the Vegas, you know, the yeah. traditional Vegas experience if you want it, but now it has these other quieter experiences yeah, too. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with the Vegas experience. Yeah. And the, there's an entire city where you could go have that. Sure. You know, and so we don't need to, to give them that. Mm-hmm. But if we want an alternative to that, yeah. Um, I was I was jokingly calling this um, the escape from the fear and loathing of Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
if we want an alternative to that, that part has to be intentionally built and yeah. intentionally supported, mm -hmm. you know? And, you know, you were talking about, oh, when I first came here and I didn't really know anybody, there are some people who have the personality who can sort of break in. Jesse V. <laughs> and, and become, um, they like to insert themselves. They like to help put things on. They, yeah. you know, and I, I naturally, when I see something that I like, I go, okay, so who's running this and who do I offer to help, you know? Mm -hmm. But that's because I've grown up at events and, and festivals and, and things like that. And mm -hmm. I'm kind of a, you know, go insert myself person. But inside, I'm still terrified. I still don't think I'm cool enough to be talking to anybody. I still think I'm probably bothering everybody I have a conversation <laughs> with. And I have this impression in my head that I don't belong. Mm. And, and it's only my outward nature, like that I deal with stress by literally inserting myself into it, that overrides that. And a lot of other people don't have that override yeah. urge. And so they look at this, and again, those are those little clicks that have been around since mm -hmm. the beginning, and they're standing there, and they're like, oh my gosh, look at that. That's that's Brian Skelly, or that's, that's Joyner. Oh my gosh, like, look at that. Like, that's this person that I've seen and heard about my whole life. I wish I could go talk to them. And so one of the things, and this was also kind of the impetus for this, the hospitality suite is one of my favorite pastimes. And I'm so glad that we have first timer ribbons yeah. because, and I'm so glad it's the same color and I can spot it from a mile away. Cause I love to just look around and find some, a group of first timers that are standing there and they don't seem to know where to go. Mm -hmm. And I walk up and I go, hi, I'm Rivka and I'm your new friend. Yeah. And they're just like, uh, okay. And I go, who do you want to meet? And they're just like, and I was like, anybody name it, let's go find them. Mm -hmm. And, and we'll go on like this hunt and I'll, you know, walk up and, you know, because I love Brian and I know him and I know that he wants to talk to those people. Yeah genuinely and real mm -hmm. and so I'll say like hey Brian meet my new friends and we'll have this conversation and I've done it every year and I've done it now for so long that one of the people that I did that to is is she vice is Becky vice president president uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, vice president vice president yeah. um, her first year I adopted her and turned her into my best friend and mm -hmm. introduced her to everybody. I had no idea who she was. Yeah. And, you know, and I look at that and I just like smile like, ah, that was success. <laughs> you know, I did one little tiny, you know, three day portion of helping, you know, that bloom and my, uh, look what we've done. My yeah. first conference, I, when I, wa when I walked in and it was that moment of like complete overwhelmed, starstruck, whatever. Gus did that for me. Gus walked yeah. right up to me. He's, He's like, hey, how you doing? I'm Gus. That. What's your name? Where are you from? You know, need yeah. help finding anything? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a handful of people who really excel at that kind of outreach and socializing. And Gus is so wonderful for yeah. it. And, and, and so it's just a joy. And one of the things that I always tell them when I'm talking, and I've had this conversation so much this week because 
It is so amazing. We have a 70% first timers yeah. rate. And and it's it's fascinating and I'm really curious exactly why it got so big and I have a couple of ideas about that. But it also is just given it's it's great because the volume of them means that they're not in the minority. Yeah. You know? And they've right. like they've gotten to take over the place this mm -hmm. year, which is so cool. And we're um, yeah. Thank you. Welcome. Keep coming. I love it. <laughs> every uh, every year when I do the the workshop, you know, because I, I do the safe practices in the the piercing room. I've been doing it for like ten years now, and I always start with kind of like a poll of the room, like who's the first time attendee, and you know, it'll be maybe two out of ten, three or four out of ten, and this time it was like eight out of ten hands mm -hmm. popping up. It's like wow, it's like overwhelming in this packed room, and you're like almost all of you are new first time attendees. It's fantastic yeah. to see. By the way, I love that class. I took that class after I had already been piercing for like 15 years mm -hmm. or something like that, and I loved it. Thanks. It just absolutely, it's such a valuable class because it it just makes it really real. Mm -hmm. You know, I love that you actually walk through it and don't just talk about it in theory. Yeah. Well, the whole reason I, I started doing that is because for the first several years that I came to conference, everything was lecture style. Everything was lecture yeah, style. Yeah. And like sleepy, crappy PowerPoints and, and all that stuff. And it was like, well, okay, these are, why do you need a PowerPoint that's talking about how to put on a glove and how to disinfect? Yeah, like, no. you just put give me a box on, of gloves yeah. and yeah. give me a, some, some disinfectant and let me just show people. It's much more engaging. Yeah. People pay attention in your mm -hmm. class. Your class is not a class that people, like, their heads start to nod in. Yeah. And some of them, even the, the topic is amazing, they still will start to nod off because it's tiring and, you know, we right. all stayed up and, had the secondhand smoke last night, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. So this year I'm going up to these first timers and I go, you know, I always extend the invitation, who do you want to meet? If I'm ever sitting at a table, if I'm ever having breakfast, you know, you're welcome at my table, mm -hmm. you're welcome next to me. I think any single time, I'll, I, I usually save, intentionally save a spot next to me when I'm sitting somewhere. And, um, but then I also say, and you know, if I can give you one piece of advice for this whole entire week, you know, that sense of imposter syndrome that you're feeling right now, that mm. sense of um, not being one of the cool kids or not being worthy of being in a conversation with, you know, this person or that person. Yeah. We all it yeah I, I still feel that single one of us yeah and I said and the longer we're here I, seriously I think the more we feel it sometimes yeah and because now like we're expected to like what like be the elders like mm -hmm. be the like wise people like I'm not smart enough to be the wise people like you know and and so and they look at me and they're like yeah, I'm not sure if I'd buy that. You mm -hmm. know, you're just saying that. I'm like, no, seriously. I said, if we all, if we put the entire conference in a huge room and we said, okay, everybody who is like not the cool kids and like probably like says they're like, you know, has imposter syndrome and is intimidated by somebody here mm -hmm. and something like this, all of you guys take like three steps to the left. I don't know who would be left on the right side, but it would probably be a very, very small handful, and I'm not even sure if we particularly would want to hang out with them. Yeah. You know, because those people are probably incredibly unaware of themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, those people are 
you know the 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 rock stars of the night of the 90s and they're looking for the what the reality tv you know Mm -hmm. piercing show or whatever you know it is you know i um i had i had some pretty good imposter syndrome this week i i took the uh microbiology class and chris crispy you know and um soon to be dr crispy and um uh you know it was just like it was fantastic the information was great He's such a good instructor, and um, he, he was talking about like Dunning Kruger effect and how sometimes people mm-hmm. just like talk like they're an expert without knowing what they're talking about. And I was like, oh man, I feel like that's me. And I was just like, I felt so, I felt so out of my depth um, with the the subject matter, especially, mm-hmm. you know. And then at the end of the class, I had to just go up and and try to talk to him and say like, you know, I really liked your class. I really learned a lot, but I felt so like awkward like you know i'm just some nobody who like records a podcast and whatever and he was like oh you know it's it's great to talk to you and whatever and it's just like no matter how long you've been doing something or how how comfortable you are in an overall environment like you can still get that feeling where you feel like you're the outsider you know and it's interesting that you bring up the dunning kruger effect um and if people don't know what that is it's this concept that says basically the less you know the less you understand that you don't know it. Right, the more know? confident you are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, and it kind of goes into, I know just enough to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. And in this case is, I know just enough to think I know too much, mm-hmm. you know? And and I think that actually very early piercers all go through that stage, including myself. Yeah. You know, I think we all do. And then we and then we get humble again, <laughs> you know? And, it, and I, it is because when I find the people who are really wise, who are really dedicated to deep diving in their particular, you know, niche of our industry mm-hmm. and then giving back to it, you know, like him with his just amazing study of microbiology, you know, or somebody down with legislation or somebody down with, you know, metallurgy mm-hmm. or you know, all of these things that they become the most humblest people. Yeah. They become the people who fully understand mm-hmm. that that their um, wisdom and their expertise becomes narrower and narrower, and that it takes this village of all of us to have this collective knowledge. Mm-hmm. And they understand that knowledge makes them useful and valuable to the group. It doesn't make them important. Yeah. You know? It doesn't make them better than. Mm-hmm. And the smartest people here, the smartest people in our industry, are universally the sweetest, most humble people in yeah. our industry. Shout out to Brian Skelly. Yeah, no, that was exactly <laughs> the thing. I went yeah. like, when you listen to Brian Skelly, like, talk about a statum and these three wonderful early career piercers that I was talking to mm-hmm. immediately turned to me and they go, oh, is he really that nice? And I go, yeah. Yeah. I've known him for, I don't know, probably about 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I can guarantee you, he really, genuinely is that nice and that interested in talking to you. Yeah. And there is not a game or a display in, in, in his body. Mm-hmm. And the same when you talk to, you know, Joyner about... Steve Joyner about legislation when you talk to you know Jeff Saunders mm. you know about something yeah when you talk to some of the um, companies about their jewelry or some sort of metallurgy and, yeah. and stuff like that and 
you know, and so what do we do when we have everybody thinking they're not as cool as everybody? Mm-hmm. When in fact, that's the zero line then. Yeah. If, if none of us are cool, then all of us are cool. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And how do we look at these people who are intimidated and say, no, you're one of us. Mm-hmm. I'm one of you. Yeah. I'm intimidated. I hide in my room when I get overwhelmed. Guess what? Pretty much everybody here does. Mm-hmm. You know? I think the only people who don't hide in their room at some point are the people who are working too hard and don't get a chance to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was, I, I forget who it was, but there was a new attendee that I talked to this year. And they said, oh, you know, I, I've been getting overwhelmed and going up to my room and just watching video and, and mm-hmm. stuff. And I was like, oh, I did that. My, my first or second year, I brought an entire season of The West Wing on DVD and just watched it in my hotel room after classes. And that, that was my yeah. conference. Yeah. yeah. Hence, here's, here's the hospitality suite. Mm-hmm. Here's the place where I wanted to make the collective go back to your room and decompress, yeah. but not have to feel like you were isolated. And, and in part, understand that we're in it together. Even the feeling overwhelmed, mm-hmm. even the feeling less than or not worthy of is something that we're collectively doing together. Yeah. This is, this piercing is this really interesting career where we somehow actually attract usually people with a high um, percentage of anxiety mm-hmm. with ADHD, depression, depression OCD, um, spectrum disorders. I mean, the, the just the sheer numbers are shockingly higher in our industry than in the general public. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is about this industry. I don't know if it's because they started as clients and enthusiasts maybe and did it. Then we picked this career that is outward facing. It puts us in the '90s. We were rock stars. We, yeah. you know, get cut in line to bars and things like that. It was actually intoxicating and totally toxic for me, for instance. Mm-hmm. And I had to quit piercing at one point to get away from that. Um, but it, we talk to our customers every day, and we're really good at public speaking. You know, because it's we do it all day long and. We have people coming up to us on the street and at parties and asking us questions. We're never off work. We're, you know, and so we get the group of people who are sort of least capable of dealing with this sort of charismatic role. And then we've all picked an industry that puts us in this really yeah. charismatic role. Yeah. And, and then we all just have to constantly kind of cope with it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and then you add Vegas, and you add all the all the people, and that you know, and the the hero worship, and all of mm-hmm. that, and then I probably I bet half of the people at this conference hid in their room at some point this week. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I bet half of those believed they were the only person doing it. Yeah, I I, I met quite a few um, new attendees, you know, at the opening party and at the closing party, and just throughout the course of the week, and so many people were like. Oh, I was really nervous to come up and talk to you. And it's like, why? Just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just as awkward as you are. Just come up and that's what we're all and here they, for. And they think you're just saying that. Yeah. I mean, I know they're right. Mm. You know, but 
I was utterly sure that you hated me for like the first five years I knew you. <laughs> I'm not joking. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of on the extreme end of this. The reason that I see this in new attendees is because you see in other people what you have in yourself. Mm-hmm. And at the, at the far extreme of just the challenge of being a person is something called rejection dysmorphia. Mm-hmm. And that is an actual, it can go all the way to a disorder um, where your perception of how someone sees you is extremely off base compared to their perception of Mm. how they see you. Yeah. There was a study that was done and they did it in like a kind of a speed dating, but it was a business kind of thing. And they did it in a college dorm scenario where they had people meet and then after in in the speed dating thing, it was like 20 minute conversation. And in the dorm thing, it was like the first three days Mm. of being with your dorm mate. And people were asked how well they thought they came across, how well they thought the other person liked them. If they thought they were engaging, if they thought they were friendly, Mm -hmm. things like that. And then how they thought the other person came across and how much they liked the other person. Yeah. And what they found universally was two things. First of all, they almost always thought the other person presented themselves better than they presented themselves Mm -hmm. personally. And And also, when they compared the two, you rated how much you liked me Mm -hmm. consistently like 30% higher than I rated how I thought you liked me. It was a, it was, it was a defense mechanism for me because Mm -hmm. like, um, I was so painfully introverted that I didn't, I didn't let myself, um, I didn't put myself out there to, to talk and interact with people because my my side of it was like, well, what if they think I'm an idiot or an asshole yeah. or whatever? So it's like, I'll just be shut down. Yeah. I'll walk around with headphones in all the time mm-hmm. so I don't have to talk to anybody, you know, and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And and it was for a long time, it's because I had I had my own issues that like, you know, therapy helped me with greatly. Yeah. Um, and now it's like I, I have a, a, an easy time interacting with people and I can be myself a little bit more comfortably and... Um, I, I heard that for years. Everybody would be like, oh, you always look so mean or so grumpy or I thought you hated me or whatever. And it's like, no, no, it's cause, more because I hated myself and I didn't yeah. want you to know it. Yeah. yeah. So there's two ways to be a wallflower. Mm-hmm. And you see both of them in the piercing community a lot. You can be a wallflower by being quiet and blending in so that nobody can see you. Mm-hmm. And you can be a, you can be a wallflower by being so loud and so close to your face mm-hmm. that you can't focus on me. Yeah. So you were wallflower A and I was wallflower B. Mm-hmm. My way of being shy and people laugh at me all the time when I say I'm shy and I'm cripplingly shy is to unfortunately, in a very maladaptive behavior way, become incredibly outgoing. Mm-hmm. And it is a persona that hides the shy. And it, I, I got it somewhere in high school and I don't even have control over it. Yeah. So now I literally like, I have to walk away because I don't really like that persona. Mm-hmm. 
and I don't really have control over it because when I have anxiety, I start, I get big. I don't make myself small. I make mm. myself really big. Like, yeah. you know, like some bear in the woods that wants to, you know, not get eaten by the other bear mm -hmm. tries to get bigger and louder and taller than everybody. Yeah. And you can look around the piercing industry and you can see the two, the two types. That makes sense when you articulate it like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so when I tell people that I'm on anxiety medication and that it has finally allowed me to quiet down, mm -hmm. they go like, huh, what? And they go, and uh, first of all, I, you're not shy. And I'm like, well, thanks for being dismissive. <laughs> um, yeah, I am. And, you know, and I'm going to go back to my room now and, you know, rock myself back and forth and maybe take some more meds mm -hmm. because now I think you hate me and you think I'm stupid and you think I'm a liar and sure. <laughs> you know and all, the, all the conference thoughts and, and yeah. feelings and emotions you know and so so what do we do and I think that this is a thing that we can collectively think about what do we do to just understand it's empathy it's a game of empathy mm -hmm. when you walk up to somebody all the thoughts all the doubts that comes through your own head what do you do to simply remind yourself that the other person is thinking the same thing? Mm -hmm. You're both humans. You both have this human condition, you know, and and use that to go, eh, camaraderie. We're in this together. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I can see you and you can see me and then we can talk, mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to, oh, you know, Ryan, you and I. And this is real. I don't think we have ever had a real conversation. I don't think so. Con like chit chat in passing. Yeah. But never more than like a few minutes. Yeah. And genuinely, because I made the assumption that you would never be interested in anything I had to say. And so I have all these questions and I would love to have conversations with you, mm -hmm. but I was not worthy. <laughs> And when you asked me, you're like, hey, you're gonna be at conference? Like, you wanna do a podcast? I freaked the hell out. I mean, I like went to my husband and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> like, what am I gonna do? Like, what am I gonna talk about? Like, nobody wants to hear anything from me. Yeah. I have, you know, and I kept asking my friends, like, what would I, what would I say? Like, what would, you know, I, they don't care. And they would all go like, that conversation we had last night, that was amazing. Like, it was so engaging and you made me think about so many things. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've had this, I had this freak out like probably 15 times since yeah. you asked me and now, including like 20 minutes ago downstairs. And every single time they were like, you're always talking about such interesting things. Yeah. And in the back of my head, I go, wow, it's amazing how they can just blow smoke up my ass like that. Hmm. <laughs> I, well, I, I think it's important to, to share honesty like that and have conversations about it because how many of these first-time attendees are going to go home and they're going to be like, oh, yeah, that person was just being nice to me because they were a vendor or because they were an instructor and they had to be or whatever. So there's, there's probably plenty of people who are packing their imposter syndrome in their suitcase and taking it home with them yeah. rather than 
reaching out to those people that they met at conference and yeah. continuing the conversation yeah. because like conference doesn't need to be I mean li- you know conferences literally once a year but conference doesn't need to end like that community and those experiences and those conversations don't need to end when you go back home yeah you should it's, be it's talking with those door. people during the course of the year connections. yeah and if you have that card and you have that pile of cards that you took home and you have mm-hmm. the stickers from that person's piercing shop that they gave you and things like that and they were like yeah get a hold of me come visit the shop believe them yeah they meant it yeah i they, say that to people a lot like you know if people are within a drivable distance yeah. it's, you know if they live in like nova scotia it's not like i'm gonna say like come in shadow but like i met a couple of people from like vermont and stuff and i was like oh you know you're like a two-hour drive away come and hang out at my shop and they were like oh yeah i'll totally do that because they probably thought that i was just being polite and yeah. blowing smoke up their ass but it's like yeah. no you should you come it. to my shop yeah, yeah. and and <laughs> There's so many opportunities like that and we go home and we have this pile of cards and we don't do anything with them and half the time they fall out of your suitcase that you when you unzip it to pack for next year mm-hmm. and <laughs> and but nowadays thankfully I mean social media I mean, boy I mean, when I first started to come to conference we didn't have you know we barely like were doing like emails and instant message or something like that and and nowadays we, you, we really genuinely have the ability to stay in touch mm-hmm. and not just liking each other's posts, is, uh, yeah. you know, it, it, reach out to that person, go home, digest, you know, don't do anything drastic for two weeks, you know, sort of thing, mm-hmm. and then look through that stuff and write notes on those cards yeah. before you forget who they all are. Right. You know, I met this person in this class. I met this person at the pool mm-hmm. party. Yeah. I when someone gives me my car their card, I have them hold it up in front of their next to their face, and I take a picture. Yeah. Um, and usually, like badge card, you know, like a little mugshot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, but write them a, a text. Mm-hmm. You know, post something on their wall saying this was really nice to meet you and I'd love to finish that conversation that we had about you know anodizing titanium Mm -hmm. or you know how to you know reduce my waste in the shop or coming and having that shadow you know and you know and know that every single interaction is going to be a learning experience in both directions Mm -hmm. and that piercer who's been piercing for a year, has been piercing for three years, five years, you know, those early career piercers have something to teach us. Yeah. A lot to teach us. If for no other reason but that they're not stuck in their ways. Mm-hmm. When I learned to pierce, we were doing most everything wrong. Mm-hmm. Same. And mm-hmm. I have had to unlearn that yeah. my entire career. Mm-hmm. And I was very, very lucky that I very early on stumbled onto Eric Dakota and, and then stumbled into conference and got sort of adopted by Brian Skelly and, you know, and people like that yeah. who, you know, saved me at a young age. <laughs> um, when I sit down and talk to someone who's figuring it out new, they think differently than me. I have something to learn from that person. Mm-hmm. You know, and so they go, well, you know, I don't really have anything to add to the conversation. You have everything to add. You have just as much as all the rest of us. It's just different stuff, Mm -hmm. you know. So, yeah, it 
we all underestimate ourselves so much. Well, I think this is a great talk. So, you know, I appreciate I, I know it was tough because, like, you, you go into conference and, like, I, I have I had a little list, you know, uh, five or six interviews I wanted to do. You were on there. And it was just like, you were busy. I was busy. It's a busy week, all that stuff. So I'm, I'm glad that even though it's the last day that I'm here, I'm glad that we, we got to link up and record something. Yeah, it, I am really glad, too. Plus, I, being at conference through the week, I think really helped remind me, you know, how much I love this industry, mm -hmm. how passionate I am about people's experience in the industry, you know, and being able to find their way and to feel valued and, yeah. and where I am at the industry. Like, who am I at this point in mm -hmm. my career 30 years in? What do I have to, you know, to yeah. give back, you know, and... And so, yeah, it's been really, really nice. And well, good. thanks for sticking with me, even though I thought you hated me. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for giving me a chance to not just call me an asshole. Oh, I never thought you were an asshole. I just thought you were grumpy. Yeah. Well, I am. Yeah. So my girlfriend will tell anybody that, too. Yeah. Um, well, I think this is probably a good place to wrap it up. So one more time, who are you? Where can people find you? Where are you online? Yeah, um, I'm Rivka. Um, usually known on the internet as Rifka Shavi, which is my middle name. Um, Body Art by Rifka on Instagram. And, um, and I look forward to seeing people. And while I tend not to friend people on Facebook because I hate Facebook, yeah. and I use it as an in-person, in in-life thing, um, you're more than welcome to say hi to me, um, catch me on uh, Instagram, where I do more of my sort of professional stuff. Cool. And when you see me in the hall at a conference or anything like that, know that I mean it. I'm your friend. And I really, really would love to hang out with you. And um, I'm just as freaked out as everybody else. <laughs> cool. Well, <laughs> I'll see you next year and we can just be a bundle of nerves again. Okay. okay. Sounds good. <laughs>
25 minutes long. There's a subtitled and an unsubtitled version. Go ahead and check that stuff out. And I've got a new video on the way soon all about VCH piercings, vertical clitoral hood piercings. That should be out within uh, just a few weeks of this episode. I've got those two new classes available for registration right now. I've got uh, a live webinar on Sunday, August 14th, all about bevel theory. I'll be doing my understanding and applying bevel theory presentation, and then I'll be doing that banana party workshop. If you have banana skins and needles ready, you can practice along with a couple different exercises and really get comfortable with uh, the concept of, of bevel theory. And then on Monday, September 5th, I'll be doing a live day of classes in the Chicago area. I'll be doing my ethical sales strategies class. I'll be doing a needle bending workshop and I'll be doing one of those open techniques workshops. So a lot of great content, a lot of information. Uh, and it's available to professional piercers of all skill and experience levels. So I think it can be really beneficial to just about everyone regardless of where you are in your career. And I would love to see you there. Uh, you can go to my website at ryanpba.com. You can get the links to the Google Forms, get all your information, go ahead and get signed up there. You can also just email me at ryanpba at gmail.com and I'll get you signed up. So thanks for listening to another episode and I'll be back next week. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved. Why did say no sound detected? Oh, it's because we didn't say anything for quite a while. You can edit it. You can you can edit as much of this down as you want. I can say literally any. I can talk about your penis. Yeah. I mean, maybe don't. But you could edit it out. I could, but I won't. <laughs> can I can I tell people what your drag name is? Yeah. Um, I have to I have to explain the drag name. So we I'm were pretty sure people will get it. No, they will. But it's like you know, we don't just pick this stuff out of the air. It happens organically. Um. Uh, we were coming back to the flat and I was explaining to you that I had my video security entryway thing fixed. So like when you ring the, the bell to get in, like I can see you on camera and you said, because you're really funny and clever, um, so I could just press my, my penis against the camera and uh, ring the buzzer and be like, hello, it's, <laughs> it's urethra. <laughs> so, you know what a great name for you would be would be Urethra Franklin. I thought so. Yeah, so your your uh your your alter ego is Urethra Franklin. She's very sassy. You turned a very bright tomato shade of red. It's uh, I I think you're very funny. Tomato. Mm-hmm. Isn't it nice that we have each other? Yeah, I guess. You better edit this. You're not being serious. I can tell you're lying.